I'm gonna take a sip of my off-brand uh, coconut water. <laughs> you can't tell what it is, but it's really good. <laughs> Jesus, I didn't even give an introduction yet. <laughs> yeah, who are, who are we talking to here? <laughs> I don't know who are. Yeah, who are You're we talking Max to? Williams. Um, we're talking to Max, and this is uh, wow, such a rough way to start, but this is episode eight. And we're we're shooting the shit. I have my good buddy Chris Mathian on here. Um, how you doing, Chris? Super good. Holy cow! Yeah, wow, uh, we're here. We're here. We're live. Um, all right. So, I guess I'll start it same way I start everything else. Uh, I so Chris. Yeah. I know him because oh, we met at so far, and uh, I. I guess we like kind of hit it off it so far. I'd say, and have been pretty good, pretty good yeah. friends since. Uh, we found out that we, I mean, I'm in Wheaton, Illinois, and we found out we grew up in the same uh, same area, and I think we connected over that, and I found out a crap ton more stuff. Why wow, I just really said crap. Um, yeah, we'll bleep, we'll bleep it out. About, we'll yeah. bleep it out. <laughs> God dang it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to bleep that out, too. Um, <laughs> I said God. Sorry. So <laughs> is that bad? Maybe in Wheaton it is. Yeah. All right. So take it easy. I might get, might get the Wheatonites might yell at me, but. It, they're not so, they're not so bad. It's not, it's, it's like, it's like a few people uh, fucking it up for the whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to yeah, put it. It's like, it's like when you have a gang problem in your town. It's like, oh man, town has a gang problem, but really it's like it's like, you know, five dudes who are screwing it up. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. so Wheaton has a gang yeah. problem, is what I'm saying. A religious gang yeah, problem. Exactly. Yeah. You're picking it up you're picking up <laughs> what I'm putting down. Yeah, I try to avoid I try to avoid it at all costs. I'm not I don't think I'm too religiously affiliated myself me neither i'm not but uh and i used to be sort of like i used to be sort of more like angry and like why are people judging me i'm not going to your church <laughs> but like <laughs> but like now that i'm a little older uh I, I might i might if someone invited me to go to their church i might go and also yeah and uh you know maybe there's some value there i don't know but uh you know, from my experience, I didn't really have a good experience in churches, but uh, <laughs> I did. Like I said, I, I felt like I went through a period like in high school and after high school where I was like kind of angry. And uh, yeah, and I don't feel that way about it now because I think some people like need church. Agreed. Yeah. I think I. I think I share that same thing. I think I was definitely angry at it for a little bit. That's an I mean, I it's like, annoying. It's it is. Annoying. But I was like little. My parents like I remember we don't we didn't really go that often. It's like feel like it's bad to say, but like we You're went like hell, every dude. now and then. <laughs> I'm going to hell. Dang it! <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't reveal that info. <laughs> um, and then. I just, I think I just always felt bored by it. I was like, this is boring and I don't want to do this when I'm older. Yeah. And then I just didn't end up going. And then now I like kind of find myself 
in the middle of it again since I'm filming weddings, but <laughs> I had like a weird experience. Do you ever like, like you, you ever like shooting a wedding and then you just like run into the confessional real quick and start spilling your guts? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> it's it's kind of like I feel the same boredom I once felt all over again. It kind of like makes me relive my boredom. It's weird. Yeah. It's a strange feeling. I remember when I first came out to Wheaton, though. Did I, I don't know if I ever told you this. Um, I went on a bike ride. I don't know why. I used to ride bikes a lot. And I would I went on a bike ride with my brother, and he had a broken arm at the time. Dang. And we rode through Memorial Park, specifically in Wheaton. And some guy stopped by like in passing on his bike and like was had the bible like readily accessible yeah like in his like coat he had pocket a holster. and he, yeah <laughs> he like he came out and he's like i mean it's a nice gesture if you're religious i'm not gonna say it's bad but i feel like i feel like I was, if was, i was sorry i don't mean to cut you off but i feel like if i was religious and someone like came out with a bible i'd be like yeah 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 i know I already know. Come on. I'm not one of them. You go talk to someone else about that. That's the thing. They always like, I feel like that was the impression I got when I moved down here is people were trying to convert you or bring you into their, like, uh, into their religion. Cause I've had this experience yeah. about three different times since I've lived here. Mm -hmm. Um, I had it. So that guy stopped us and he's like, can I say a quick prayer for your arm? That's broken to my brother. And we were like, you know what? Sure. Yeah. So we let him do it. But like, um, I was just upset because after he did it, he had to go on his whole spiel with his religion and why we should like follow this and that. And it just, it rubbed me the wrong way. Right. But Max, like, how's your brother's arm? Is it all better? I mean, it's better. It, the prayer works. Yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, he kind of won this situation. <laughs> what an amazing man. Who was he? Where's Memorial <laughs> Park? Seriously, I, remember, I, I, I think I'm thinking of Adams Park, which is right downtown, right? Maybe it wasn't. It was the park that's like runs up against the library. Maybe that's not Memorial. The library in downtown Wheaton. Yeah, I think yeah. you're thinking of Adams Park. That's Adams Park. Yeah. yeah. Adams. There's a very uh there's a lot of there's a lot of marijuana sales going on in that park when I was a youngster. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> it couldn't be now. <laughs> yeah, cuz you get to go to the store now. To buy weed. Yeah. We had, we had to do it the old-fashioned way when I was a kid. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I couldn't see that happening there now. No we way. We used to go there and then we used to buy weed from Jack Straws, the pizza place. Yeah, did you know that place is closed now? Completely? Probably because they legalized weed. <laughs> <laughs> Put them out of business. <laughs> Such good pizza. Yeah, that's, that's too bad about uh, Jack Straws because that place was awesome. I hope some listeners that are like not from Wheaton are like getting a little taste of Wheaton from this conversation, at least. I hope it's... Uh, <laughs> hope it resonates i was watching the uh before we did this i was watching a roast you know comedy central roast yeah and i felt like i was just roasting jack straws a little bit and i feel bad <laughs> i mean rightfully so yeah but was rude but i i was influenced because i watched so many of these mean jokes and now i, I feel like my jokes are like mean right now
and I should chill. <laughs> I mean, this you could you can make as many jokes as you okay. want, and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to give you any shit for okay, it. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, great. This is a pretty uh, pretty open podcast here. All right, man, that's a lot. This here shoots a shit. <laughs> hey, let me ask you some. Taking questions. a deep breath. Yeah, do you ever do yeah. you ever meditate? No, I've never done it. I have friends that do it. Do you meditate? I've done it. Yeah. I feel indifferent about it is probably the best way to put it. If you if you actually do it, you get it. Do you get stressed out? Yeah. Yeah, if you if you're stressed out and then you meditate, uh it's the things you can do to just erase the stress immediately. Well, it's not immediate cuz you got to sit there for a while. <laughs> but you know it 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 actually just if you if you get really good at it um i i do like some breathing technique techniques that help with stress and i can really like i think if i got good at meditating that i could just get rid of it altogether i think i tried the breathing exercises once before i someone told me about it and i didn't think it was real but i googled it and there was i don't remember what it was but i definitely tried it and it like i feel like it your it makes your blood stop flowing like crazy <laughs> you just like calm down a little bit <laughs> yeah uh well i think your body does it naturally too because when you when you're stressed out you yawn and you sigh yeah so it's just like these yeah. it's these different kinds of exhales that your body is forcing out um so yeah, I've done the I've done the weird like uh, tantric breathing exercises that Russell Brand does before he speaks. You ever watch any of his comedy <laughs> specials? He's like backstage going. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, uh, that puts him into a calm state though, and then you know you're not so <laughs> wigged out. Being on stage is scary sometimes. Yeah, what do you do? Like I remember one time I talked to you about this about what you do before you get on stage and you were telling me like you've i've heard a couple different things from you actually i think <laughs> you depending on like, my mood that day whatever I, yeah yeah <laughs> you were like you definitely were in another mood uh that last show that went to of yours i don't remember what it was like that upstairs venue uh i don't remember what oh, it was called yeah D bourbon on division mm -hmm. maybe and i think you at that show where you told me you wanted to go in the green room before it because you needed to like chill out and like not talk to anybody before it yeah i w i i had ran into this because i'm really sociable and i ran into this uh problem where i would use my voice too much before i went on stage because i was walking around talking to people and <laughs> it's not good because it takes away from your allure as an artist, you know, should be the thing where you go see the show and you're like, whoa, is this guy even here? And then his band comes out and you're like, whoa, is this guy even here? And then, <laughs> and then like, you know, second song in, come down from the stage on a rope, singing, <laughs> singing Broadway. I don't know. You know, where it's like this <laughs> big spectacle. And I sort of wanted to do that and then come at the very, you know, when the sh right when the show started. Um, <laughs> this is be like one of those acrobats people. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I actually have a cousin who does that stuff. <laughs> it could be you next. 
That's how you come or, into your show in 2021. Just, or we can just film it and have him do it, and then we'll do a deep fake, you know? <laughs> I was just watching a video on deep fakes today. I just this morning learned about deep fakes. Yeah, deep fakes are, you just, are cool. I, wanna, I want someone to do a deep fake of me. Let me. There was this one I just looked up on uh, TikTok because I found out, like, I, like, got behind it today. There's this one called Deep Tom Cruise. Yeah. Did you see that one? Yeah, dude, it's just like Tom Cruise. It's totally something he would do. It's so weird. Everyone, all the comments are like, wait, is this Tom Cruise? <laughs> Tom, Tom Cruise is actually doing this? I'm like, are you kidding me, man? Dude, maybe that, maybe him jumping on the couch at Oprah's thing was uh, deep fake. Because that <laughs> looks fucking crazy. Oh, my God. And it's crazy. The video I was watching, uh, it's this YouTuber named Jarvis that I watch. And he was talking about how technology is so good now that people are going frame by frame to, like, make these, like, certain, like, looks on their faces. And they're editing it. And, like, the editing has got so good now that people can make this so realistic. And it's kind of scary to think about. Yeah, because it's, it's like, definitely scary. Like you can really, someone could really doctor up something incriminating at some point, you know. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's. They should like put here's a ban Max on Williams. <laughs> oh look, there's Max Williams doing the insurrection. He's breached the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> could never be me. Could never be me. <laughs> yeah, but if they what did if- a deep fake. Then I'd be exposed and canceled, and then, <laughs> you know, cancel culture. Oh, how? It'd be like an instant cancel. Oh, for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what if some of these cancellations uh, will stand the test of time, because <laughs> maybe some of these insurrectionists, will, like the guy with the horns, you know, the, with the, uh, the raccoon thing. I could, oh, yeah. Like, I could see him doing a podcast, and then... Just getting millions and millions of listeners listening to it. Because of how many people hate him? There's probably people that like him. <laughs> there's probably a lot of people I mean, that like him. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of people that are behind all that, all that shit. They're all for everything that happened that day. It's like a big chunk of America <laughs> was like, yeah. That, I know. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> that is wild. It's so upsetting yeah it's so upsetting i can't like erase it from my mind either That's sorry to bring it up i forget about it yeah let's not <laughs> Jeez, we went from we went from talking about chris coming into a show on a rope to this where did, how did that Me happen coming into a show on a rope is sort of like an insurrection <laughs> uh, oh, we talked about deep fakes that's why yeah yeah um yeah so i i was uh talking too much before shows and like basically ruining my voice or not preserving my voice so then when I, when I would sing halfway through the show, I'd be like, oh, man, I'm not singing very good. <laughs> Straight <laughs> that, up. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what you told me. And then I don't know if it was I think it was you that told me this where like before a show, you'll like practice your vowels where you like do like the vowel uh, exercise. Yeah, I do, a, little, I do like, a lot of warm ups the day of like pretty yeah. much right when I wake up, I start singing if I'm if I'm doing a show. What? Is that a dumb question to ask, like, what that does as opposed to not doing it? Uh, I it, it just does so, – it loosens everything up, and it just gets your voice used to singing so that – I don't know. Your your voice is like an old accordion. It's 
it's like sitting in a attic basically every day <laughs> every day you wake up that's what it's like and then you gotta you gotta go up into the attic you gotta take the accordion out you gotta fucking dust it off and then and then you gotta play it a, a while and it, maybe you start playing it at the very beginning and the wind's not shooting through it good enough and you kind of find some more dust in there and you figure it out and you start playing it more and more and then uh you know mid-afternoon it has a nice full sound that's like what your voice is like your voice is an instrument yeah and then you go that like, you go to sleep and you know your allergies are all shitty in the morning your throat is dry like so you gotta i mean i gotta drink tea and soup and all that yep uh, do you have a preferred go-to drink before a show mm, uh i like tequila or whiskey and uh nice and and like uh just like a little bit i've definitely I've definitely mm-hmm. pushed the limit on that one before. Trust me, it's not. Sometimes, you know, when I was younger, people used to say I would get real drunk and play, and they'd be like, that's amazing. But it's not so amazing when you get a little older. Uh, <laughs> it's different. <laughs> or if you've done it, or, or if you've just, like, I don't know. I, I've, seen, I've seen people who were so rehearsed that they, like, couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. They couldn't walk before they went on stage. Or they couldn't talk, but then they went on stage, and then it was like perfect, perfect performance. What in the world? Yeah, I opened for a pretty big '90s band. Uh, I won't say who. It, who were they? I won't say who it is because it concerns the lead singer's alcoholism, and I don't want to really. Okay. You know, gotta respect the privacy. Yeah, <laughs> but this guy, <laughs> but dude was off the shits, man. Like, <laughs> really. Uh, yeah, he was probably like, you know, in, in sort of, uh, concert settings, he was th- maybe the drunkest person I'd ever seen who was about, who was about to perform. Oh my I've seen God. some pretty drunk people, I think. And, uh, yeah, I sort of in my head, I was so cocky, um, that I sort of thought, oh, this is going to be good. Cause we're opening up for this band. We were about to go on stage and I knew, I knew then I was like, oh, he's hammered. So, you know. We're gonna kill it, and then he's gonna go up there all drunk and slur through his set. But no, he went up there and did a perfect job, which is really—that's maybe that—that's phenomenal. It's phenomenal, but that—that's maybe the really scary thing about uh, like drug addiction is that you can just fool everybody, and <laughs> people <are> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah, and it's funny because. Like, I feel like I'm bad at picking up on it. Like, someone will be like, hey, that person's drunk, or hey, that person's, like, on this. And I'm like, really? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't pick up on it. Yeah. If you're ever around people said- who are going to the bathroom a lot, Max, they're probably doing cocaine. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. I'll store that one in my brain okay. for future <laughs> reference. <laughs> so, wait. How long? I don't know if I've ever asked you this. Maybe I have. How long has... uh? Mathian been a band uh the idea of 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 having it as a band didn't come until uh like 2005 this guy nick williams he's your cousin down there in murfreesboro illinois (laughs) uh yeah this guy nick williams he played the trombone and he was in the music building so i was i was in the music building too i had already been recording under the name Mathian. So I just used my last name when I was uploading music mm. to the internet. 
Um, and then I was passing out CDs too. I was like burning CDs all the time. And then unbeknownst to me, there are, there are other people in Carbondale burning my CDs and sort of passing them around to people as well. Whoa. Yeah, this guy, JP, who saved me from the cave when I was at, in that cave. This kid. That cave story is crazy. Yeah. Do you want, should you tell that I don't, cave story? I don't story? care. I'll tell it. Uh, yeah, you should tell that cave story. I feel like I wanted you to talk about that. Uh, but yeah, I, I I'll tell it later if you if you bring it up again. But uh, yeah, but I'll bring it back. But up. yeah, you know, uh, a lot of people heard my music down there. The recordings I was making in my dorm. A lot of the recordings were already re- I had recorded in high school when I was uh, like, you know, my parents would go run errands or something, and I would cut vocals in the in the living room all recorded on this old compact computer and uh <laughs> uh yeah nick williams he's a trombonist in the in the music building and he was like hey i want to i want to put together a, a, a band that'll play that'll play this stuff and i was like oh that sounds cool you know but i really was kind of mm-hmm. like okay it probably won't happen for whatever reason because nothing ever does happen and uh yeah <laughs> especially in college you know uh mm-hmm. It is kind of hard to like say it and then to bring it together. It's like yeah, like you said, especially in college. But he put together a whole a whole band, and he said, "Meet me at uh." You know, we we overtook one of these uh, rehearsal rooms in the music building uh, on a Saturday when no one was there. I was sort of worried a teacher was gonna come in and be like, "Hey, you guys can't do this or whatever," but uh, we pulled it off. But the the crazy thing is, is what I I was only just like recording it i was only recording Mathian stuff because that's what i wanted to do i wanted to be the artist i wanted to record it and then i did i i did maybe think sometime <clears throat> oh yeah maybe i could be maybe i could you know play this stuff live with a band that would be cool because i yeah you know, and i had already been in bands in high school and you know punk rock groups or whatever and uh yeah and uh yeah um it was the first time I like walked into a room and everyone was just sort of looking at me and I was like, I have to, I have to like be a leader right now. And yeah. so I was like this accidental <laughs> situation for me. I was like, okay. Uh, and I had a drummer, a bassist and a horn section. And then I played the guitar. Of course. Uh, we did never had a keyboardist until I moved up to Chicago. Oh yeah. And now you have the wonderful Ryan. I had Ryan. Uh, Ryan's with me now. Um, you know, I, there's a few different guys who uh, play with me. You know, sometimes people aren't available. And, you know, uh, there's so and many good musicians in Chicago that it's not a big deal if someone's unavailable. Right. And I think, okay, going off of that, like, that's the coolest thing about you, I think, is that most people that i know at least they record with the band all like for their stuff and that's like pretty typical but for you you're not always relying on your band to make the music that you do yeah it's like you'll use uh you'll use different like mediums and i don't think that's like a thing that everybody like necessarily has the like skill set to do i think it takes a lot of like time and I think that's the one thing that I thought was really cool about you is like, you're always putting out so much music. And I, for like, until you told me about it, I was like, how does he record with his band this frequently about <laughs> this many songs? Like, it was like baffling me for the longest time. I'm like, they must like record like 
two three times a week like at this rate like what are you and then yeah you just uh you find like you show me this before you like find like drum tracks and you work with them and yeah there's a lot you, of guys we in, recorded uh, that video. there's a lot of guys who record uh drum tracks like there's these guys drum drops out in london um and also like there's this guy sam merrick my friend uh my friend jordan who plays with uh caleb howley and he plays with a lot of other people like he records drum tracks at home uh and yeah i just find it's a great tool to have a you know if you have the drums to a song and it has the verse and the chorus and the verse and the chorus and then the bridge and the outro or whatever uh if you have the drums you can really just put whatever else you want over it so that's kind of how i do a lot of the Mathian songs but also i like to uh you know greg my my drummer who plays with me here in chicago so good so so yeah good. we like we like to get together sometimes and mic up his drums and then um it's like a hangout you know we just do that and then i bring all the drum tracks back to this room and just record Mathian songs over them and i can put anything i want anything i want over the drums and it takes the pressure off greg too because like yeah because if you're in a if you're in a recording setting with a band sometimes it's like you know i've been in those settings where you you want to kind of coach the drummer into playing something different or playing faster or slower or playing to the click better and it's like that shit is not fun for drummers i've seen it they don't like it yeah yeah it seems like a really tedious thing yeah it takes the fun out of you know what makes music great so is that a typical way to record then do like do is that like a thing that a lot of other musicians do they go off like the drum trackers that's that's like specific to you right uh i don't know if it's specific to me but it's the way i do it and it's not the way a lot of people do it mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i feel like it makes sense like the more i listen to your music the more i think about it it makes sense because it like a lot of your like i feel like a lot of your lyrics like line up so well too with that and it this all kind of like stems from the drums and it gives it that like that feel i mean like especially like uh past the vino i think is like thinking about that song especially i'm like yeah those are i totally hear those it. are programmed those are, i programmed those drums there it, that's and crazy there is a sample that the hi-hats are a, a sample from a disco record i won't say which one it is <laughs> trouble. see that's a whole nother that's a whole other beast in itself that i think i when i when you told me about it and we did that we filmed that video about it uh where you did some of the sampling and uh like took from another track and made it your own uh that is another beast in itself because i have friends that do that that have spent and i guarantee you've spent like years on end doing this stuff too because that takes like that's like a lot to sample even like one track right like how long does it take you to do just like one track oh to sample mm-hmm not long yeah what's but it like you had to learn that you oh, had to learn how to do it like like sampling and because sampling is so is really broad because sampling could be like you could do it the way that uh p diddy did it and you just literally take two bars from the police song or whatever and then you just put some drums over it and you make a hit out of it so that's sampling right and there's another uh like dj premiere uh started doing this 
thing where he would take the bass, you know, the kick drum from this record, the snare from this record, hi-hat from this record. Now he's got a drum set. And then now he's got a piano from this record, but he's got a bass from this other record. And he's creating a whole new, like, orchestra of pre-recorded so uh, sounds. And it's it's like collage art. It's like Warhol or something. Yeah. It's not Warhol. That, it's, that's some, the... it's someone else. But it's... <laughs> 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 but, uh, that's the thing go ahead that's just what uh like when i when i discovered dj Premier and dj shadow um that's when i realized wow sampling is not just it's not just a machine that just like takes a loop from a song like, yeah there's, no, there's a, there's a, you can use it as a as a musical tool an amazing musical tool there's actually a lot of sampling on gambit on the song gambit yugoslav there's samples woven into a piece that sounds really sort of live it does yeah. yeah yeah that song is so good i was listening to that in my car the other day it's a, such a good I, song i feel like i was a mad scientist when i made that it's, not, it's got <laughs> yeah. mad scientist vibes it does it does and it's like I feel like it's good. Like I've listened to that song in the morning, but I've also listened to it at like midnight when I'm driving home too. Yeah. It's like one of those like all, all, all day, all night type of songs. Like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to make it home without falling asleep on I 88. Yeah. That, that was me. That was I me hate, <laughs> going down to I hate driving sleepy so much. It's so scary. Same, same. I always turn on something really epic. But like something I Sorry. wouldn't typically Thirsty. listen to. Like, I like uh... sometimes like it'll be like weird stuff that I'll turn on sometimes. Like, uh, I mean, I guess it's not weird, but I'll turn on like uh, that suicidal tendencies group. Nice. I'll and I'll just like blast it at full volume. I'm like, if I hear this, like I have my eyes have to be like wide open. Like there's no way like I'm going to fall asleep to this. You know what I mean? Maybe I should listen to corn when I'm sleepy. <laughs> it might, it might work. I really liked, I tried I to loved corn, man. Yeah, that, yeah, you should probably try that. I try to, I try to avoid not. I don't know. I just try to avoid the whole being sleepy while driving situation. Yeah, it's not a good, I, not a good combo. I'll pull over. I'll go like, I'll go pull over and just like take a nap behind a Burger King. I don't give a shit, man. I'm not gonna <laughs> die. I'm yeah. not gonna die because I wanted a nap. <laughs> I've pulled over a few times for sure. Yeah. And you like wake up and you're like, you're like, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. Me, what were we <laughs> yawning i'm sleeping we got nah, just talking about it you know <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, we need to we need to brighten up the conversation i'll talk about sleep i know talking about sleep the insurrection i just i just always go dark man i don't know why okay that's a good segue because chris actually doesn't sleep let it be known that chris doesn't sleep he stays up till we were just talking about this. You stay up to like 3, 4 a.m. and you're working on your music like a madman. Well, there's really, you, I, I don't really work that often that at, at that time. What happens is I'll work on music from like 9, p. 9 a.m. to like 5 or 6. And then um, I'll eat 
and then I'll go up and I'll uh, start laying in bed and turn on the TV so I can relax. And then I turn the TV off and shut my eyes, and then the, all the music is still going through my head. So I just go back downstairs. <laughs> and it's not like... It's so sick. And I, it, it is energy that I would other, otherwise be using to like stress out, I think, and my mind would be racing. So I have to do yeah. it. Like I have to go downstairs and keep on working or creating. And, uh, and then I'll get tired around uh, like, you know, 5 o'clock. And then I'll sleep and I'll wake up. It'll be 10 or 11. That's uh, six hours. And then I can start making music again at 11. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, that's another thing that you do, too, that I think separates you from like, I mean, I do have other friends that do it, too. But uh, I've talked to you the most about it is you make music for like other people and other brands mm. on top of your own music. So that in itself is crazy because I know that's like that's basically your job too. Yeah. Um yeah. It's weird. Yeah, how did you when did you actually I never asked you this. When did you realize that was like your thing to do? Cuz like for me at least it like took me like I was kind of in a situation of like all right, these jobs are not like these 9 to 5s aren't like sending me letters back. So I was like well, it's in my hands now. Like, that was kind of what it was for me. Yeah, but wow. I don't know what it was for you. Uh, for me, um, I was working at Starbucks in Tennessee, and I had moved to Tennessee from Chicago because I sort of like, I sort of screwed up a little bit. Like, I, I didn't screw up. I shouldn't say that. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, Yo, guys, I screwed up. No, in, in a way, I did, but but uh, basically, I was in an unhealthy situation both with business and like in my personal life and so i had to like sort of divorce myself of everything that my life was and then my parents had moved to tennessee so i just moved and lived with my parents for a couple years and saved up working at starbucks uh smart yeah it was it was really hard for me though because i had this whole like identity of in, in my own head i was like this rock you know rock and roll star i guess and um yeah, putting on the green apron, it sort of takes that vibe away real quick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but that, that, it was good. It was really good for my ego, you know, to have to just, you know, hey, go, go, make money doing something normal like making coffee for people, you know. Um, it was yeah. it was good for me, but uh, while I was there, uh, you know, of course, I had my studio in my room, and Nick. Uh, yeah, my friend Nick Castle, uh, just called me out of the blue one day, and he was like, and he's a videographer, and he's and he said, uh, yeah, you know, and he's a DJ, and he's a lot of other things, and he's a sweetheart. Um, Nick does everything. He does, like he really actually does. He like designs yeah. clothes. Anyways, I could, I could go, I could go for days, talking about Nick. He's great. Uh. But yeah, he called me and he was like, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to New York to shoot this thing for Puma. Uh, can you do some can you make some beats for it, like some hip hop beats? And I was like, yeah. And he sent me over like I think he sent me a little edit and then I made some beats to it and sent something back to him. And it was like it was like 40 minutes after he had called me and he was like, 
whoa. He was like, dude, we weren't even, he's like, I was having a hard time finishing that edit. Uh, well, I guess I messed my story up because I guess he had already gone to New York. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, So it was already shot when he called me. But uh, yeah, he was like, I, w- I was having a hard time with the edit. I wasn't inspired by it. And he's like, once I had the music, it was really easy to start cutting stuff together. Um, I'm sure you know how that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he said, so, and then he said, uh, we, you know, uh, we don't have a great budget, uh, but, uh, and I was like, well, what does that mean? And then they paid me a lot of money. So I was like, that's a low, <laughs> I was like, that's a low budget. Okay, great. So I think really for me, like that's when it hit me, like, oh, you don't have to, like, you can just like keep on doing this, and then you don't have to work at Starbucks. And it wasn't, it was like maybe a, a year, a year and a half later I was driving. I remember I can still see like what the road looked like and everything it was a really sunny day. And I was driving to work a shift at Starbucks and I was tallying up in my head. I was doing my accounting cause I don't write anything down. So I was just like thinking about <laughs> where am I, <laughs> okay, I got this check coming from this person. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, it, I think you're broke. Uh, <laughs> I was definitely broke and like trying to figure it all out in my head. And then I realized I was like, oh, I got a lot of different kind of streams coming in here. And then I was like, wait a second, how much money did I make at Starbucks? And I was like, it was like $240. Like, oh my God. And I think I parked my car and I walked in and I told my boss, like, hey, two weeks, I'm outie. <laughs> yeah that makes sense because yeah. then you realize how much more money is in it than your one shift at starbucks and then i felt i felt uh i felt like an artist again it took a it took a minute for me to like sort of get back into that identity but uh the identity aspect of it is crucial because you know working when i was working at starbucks people people around town they saw me as like the coffee guy and yeah. And if you, so if if that's what you're doing with your time, that's just what people are going to associate with you. Oh, or maybe you're the coffee mm-hmm. guy who also makes beats and plays guitar. Oh, cool. You got a couple of YouTube views. Uh, all right. But uh, <laughs> but uh, if you if you completely like I really would recommend as long as you feel like you can like psychologically handle it and financially handle it. I would definitely recommend quitting your job and just focusing all of your energy into uh your art but i was i only did that when i got to the point where it wasn't that scary but it was still scary yeah it's i feel like you have to feel that risk at first a little bit Mm -hmm. like you can't not feel it like for sure yeah because you're really dependent on people like calling you and giving you the gig yeah yeah. Who, who says that they're gonna do that? Nobody. Yeah, nobody does. Yeah. They don't. They don't tell you. And you don't. You don't. For me, at least, I didn't go to school learning about this, or no one like taught me about this. So I never really knew how it worked until I heard a couple friends talking about it, and I was like, "Well, how are you like getting? Th- how is this happening?" And they're like, "I just know someone that would call me," and I'm. I'd be like, "So that's what you rely on, like that?" Because I'm like all for like consistency. Yeah. But then once I realized how it goes, I was like. Okay, I can I can get behind this a little bit. Yeah, but for that one person that calls you, you gotta find six other people that are also calling you. Yeah, Cause, I cause, know. Because you know something can happen where that that per, that one person who's calling you 
that is giving you your gigs, uh, you know, maybe they don't want to do what they're doing anymore and they quit their job and now you don't have a job. Like, Definitely has happened to me before. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just trying to like in a very genuine and sincere way establish like friendships and connections with people that can help you. That's the best way to put it. I, I, it's so funny. I try to explain this to people all the time when I'm like, uh, talking about it. Cause it is, you do have to establish like a genuine actual friendship for this person to like believe in you and want to like be around you and work around you. Yeah. Cause if it's just you talking to them, having like a dry conversation, like one time or another, they're probably going to know someone else. Like they're probably not going to have a good solid foundation to remember you by. Yeah. And so sometimes like, this is weird to say, but I feel like sometimes just the foundation of like knowing you is a reason they hit you up. I mean, like whether or not they're like totally about your work, they're just like, Oh, Hey, I love working with this guy. I love how he like gets along or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they start to like b- build that trust in you over time. And I think that's how it like tends to work for me at least. That's great. Like not, I'm not. Yeah. And I think it like, it helps me too believe in like, my own self too at times i don't know like just through working on different and you start to work on the same stuff with this or like different stuff with the same people Mm, yeah and it's uh it's definitely it's a fun fun uh fun thing to do um holy cow okay i just now thought about the uh i don't know why this is totally horrible segue you should tell the uh you should tell the cave story i was at a cave uh in southern illinois and the i was living in chicago at the time but they gave me a train ticket to come down there a train ticket and a and and a a stay at a a motel in um murfreesboro but really the plan was i was gonna like like camp out um they allegedly had a tent there that i was gonna like camp out and play two sets two nights in a row at this Mm -hmm. at this thing called cave fest or cave stock i can't remember which it was um (laughs) And when I got there, um, some of the people that had were throwing the the fest, uh, they were into they were like selling meth and stuff. They were selling meth and smoking meth, and I had never been around meth before. And I was like, "Whoa, this is crazy." Um, <laughs> I was in my early twenties, like I was pretty young, um, maybe mid twenties. Maybe I was about your age, actually max i was about 24 25 oh wow yeah nice i was old old enough to know that i shouldn't have taken acid that day but i did i took acid um (laughs) uh it was like pretty much right right before i performed the first night and um yeah i uh i finished my set and all hell sort of broke loose where like um there's a fight that broke out and um this guy pulled a knife on another guy and um so the police ended up coming and i remember when the police came you know the police you had to drive down this like big long hill um to get through uh to get to like get inside where the performance area was Um, yeah and these cops get out and i'm look and i remember you know i'm standing there and i'm i'm looking at the you know every all these like hippie people started running into the woods and throwing their drugs everywhere (laughs) and uh and i just saw this guy almost get stabbed too and i was like what the hell 
I sort of wanted to get out of there, but I didn't know if I should stay and just like perform for the next day too. Cause I needed the, <laughs> I needed the bread. And yeah. I was, like, I was sort of like, you know, I had a Spartan attitude about everything back then. I was like, I'm just going to, you know, tough it out, see what happens. But I was in a very dangerous, like volatile scenario. And it didn't really hit me until I uh, looked at the, uh, at the cop. I looked at one of the cops and I just read fear all over her face. I was like, she looks terrified. And, oh. the, and the cops left. And then I called this kid, uh, JP. And JP uh, worked at Subway. <laughs> JP worked at Subway. <laughs> Subway JP. Yeah. <laughs> J- JP was in high school when we were in college and he would, uh, he was burning Mathian CDs and putting them into the bags at Subway. So when you'd go to the Subway, you get a sandwich, <laughs> you get a Mathian CD. And I, I That's so cool. Didn't know who he was. I met him. I met him at my friend's house because my friend threw a party and they were like, "Yes, yeah, this is this kid JP. He's a huge Mathian fan. He, you know, he puts your CDs and all these uh, in in the Subway sandwich." And I was getting MySpace messages from people <laughs> who heard my music at Subway, and I was like, "Is Subway like doing?" Like playing my music over the speakers and not telling me about it. Like, <laughs> this is so crazy. And no, it was this guy, JP, who was just like, he turned a lot of people onto my music. And then he became my security guard. Because he's really big and he never fought because no one, no one would ever fight him, you know? He was, yeah. he was that imposing. But uh, So he saved you from the tunnel? He saved me from the cave. Uh, oh, the cave, yeah. Which, it was a tunnel. It was tunnel-esque. Uh I called JP after I hadn't talked to him in like three years and I called him and I was like, Hey JP, it's super sketch over at the cave. Can you come and get me? And he's like, you're at the cave right now. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, all right. And he pulled up. It was like two, three in the morning. If I remember. Um, and he, and he showed up like pretty, like a half hour after I called him and I went up to the promoter and I was like, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm not performing tomorrow. I'm getting out of here. And he's like, wait, why? And I was like, dude, people pulling knives on people people smoking meth people selling meth <laughs> i'm like I, it's not my vibe i gotta get out of here it's <laughs> and, I, and then watching his body language like when i said that to him he i thought he was gonna like maybe get mad but he, yeah but he like looked around and he was just like yeah pretty fucked up over here <laughs> <laughs> and so then jp took me back to uh when he lived he lived with his mom in this town called uh DeSoto, which is right north of carbondale so we went and stayed with his mom but i didn't sleep because i was on uh, lsd you can't sleep when you're on it so his mom just came out and started talking to me it was <laughs> i talked to his mom for <laughs> I either talked to her for like two hours or I talked to her for like four minutes. I don't remember. I don't know. And uh, oh my god! Yeah. So <laughs> so yeah, I was all out of sorts. Uh, in a great mood though. After all that, I was feeling great, you know. And uh, so then I uh, she goes to bed. Everyone goes to sleep, and it starts getting light out, and I start getting antsy because I'm in these. You know, I sort of was like, I want to get out of this lady's house. You know, felt, we- right, felt weird. Right. Right. Like, okay. Uh, so I started calling people I knew and I called this guy, uh, this guy Wahid who lives in, uh, Carbondale. And I was like, Hey, what, uh, what are you up to? He picks up the phone. I'm like, what are you up to right now? And he's like, uh, I'm at the, uh, Carbondale Unitarian church right now. They're having a gay pride event. 
uh, you should bring your guitar uh, and sing a song. I'm sure they'd let you sing. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I had my guitar and I walked <laughs> to this church. You know, I looked it up on Google Maps or wherever. And I, I might have had to look it up on a computer at that time. I don't remember, but walked maybe map quest it was like an hour i think it was an hour walk and i walked all the way from desoto to the carbondale unitary church oh my god and i was you know under the influence uh we were walking in there they had crafts uh they had free aids tests like mouth mouth swab aids test this guy came up to me and i was you know all he came up to me and he was like hey you want an aids test and i was like no (laughs) And, uh, uh, so, <laughs> and there was a drag show. They had a drag show on the um, uh, on like a tractor bed on a on a tractor bed. Uh, yeah, they're playing like you know George Michael and doing a full it was a full drag show outside of this church. And I was like, dang, what a cool church! They're cool with gay people. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, that's it. And uh, Someone comes up to me and is like, yeah, you're going to perform right after Blanche Dubois. Blanche Dubois was this legendary drag queen in the uh, in Carbondale in the 80s and the 90s. And uh, and after that, I'm sure, too. But, uh, you know, people in town knew who she was. So I was like, wow, I'm playing after Blanche Dubois. This is sort of legendary. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> then the sky turned black like you ever been somewhere and a storm comes in and it's just like whoa a storm came out of nowhere you could see it like yeah the clouds just coming in so fast yeah and then someone goes cover everything up <laughs> it starts raining <laughs> lightning and thundering and people are throwing tarps over stuff and then uh you know people a lot of people went home a lot of people were like huddled under their uh you know in their cars uh, a group of people we're huddled underneath the uh, the awning of the church, and uh, I was one of those people. I was one of like maybe twelve or thirteen people that were huddled under the actual church. And then someone was like, "Hey, the show must go on," and they moved the drag shows inside the church. So then uh, now I'm sitting on uh, I'm sitting in one of the church pews. High on L- Oh yeah. High on LSD. <laughs> watching a drag show oh my god yeah. what was that like i even in that moment like it, it was maybe something when i look back at it now i'm like that's the craziest shit that ever happened really um yeah but even in that moment i knew it was the craziest shit that ever happened i was like this is wild and i was really happy too i was like this is such a great uh, sequence of events for me um and i just happened to be like i just happened to call that guy you know and then yeah yeah and then i ended up in this that... church watching a drag show melting <laughs> melting into the pew oh my god and then I played. Every nighttime... then i played there's a picture of me i could send it to you yeah you playing you do in the that church. That anytime, like the first time you told me this story, I like honestly was sitting there like an hour after it and like had to like pr- like reprocess it because it like it's crazy. Like I feel like this is like one of those dreams you like wake up from and you're like, why did all these things happen? You like try to piece it together and you're like, this does not make any sense. But it like 
it like baffles me that this is like a real life thing that happened with you. It's just, it's a crazy specific story. Yeah, that, and it's all because I, I took a weird is... gig, you know. <laughs> <laughs> took a weird gig and then ended up. I'm lucky I didn't get in trouble or like hurt or something like that. But I, that's what I'm but saying. You know, you you don't really get into those. Not to say that something bad can't happen to you if you're just like minding your own business because it can, but. You know, I wasn't getting in fights with people and pulling knives out, so. But they were in the background. <laughs> yeah, or in the foreground. Or yeah, in the foreground. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Holy. Did that like experience changed what you thought of like performing at all? Like after it, were you like hesitant of something like similar to happen again, or did yeah. you like did it change how you thought? Yeah, I was kind of like. I was almost willfully naive at that time. I was just, I would play anywhere. Uh, so I wanted to get heard so bad. And I just didn't, I like, yeah. Uh, yeah, now? Uh-uh. No, <laughs> no way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're well, you're well established now. So you're able to kind of like, I feel like you're able to have a better selection now of like all right i can play this or i don't want to do this yeah so being able to you say no that. to people is really that's yeah, a privilege but also like it is also just being able to have a conversation with uh somebody who wants to hire you and being like hey hey i need i need this this and this because you want me to do this this and this right so, yeah yeah that's uh that's and the story about me uh tripping acid in the cave and then <laughs> ending up in a church well, watching a drag show and then you wrote a song about it. Let's not freaky times. skim over that. Yeah, Freaky Times. Yeah, Freaky Times. You should check it out. Because I think out of context, you might like piece it together a little bit through the song. But it like that's why I wanted you to tell the story. Because I think it's like worthy of having that background info. Yeah. And then to hear the song, it's like, whoa, this guy really wrote a song about this. Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> it's wild that it happened to me. But uh, when, when I explain, you know, if I tell if I tell everybody, yeah, I watched a drag show in a church while on LSD, they'll just be like, you're a crazy person. But if you tell it <laughs> and they might still think that, obviously, too. But, uh, you know, if you tell the story like I just did from the beginning to the end, you gather all the facts. Mm. It's like not that far fetched, oddly. No, <laughs> it's not. The, the trippiest thing for me was the storm. When that storm came and forced everyone to go inside, I was like, something's something's watching. I thought they were watching me, but that's sort of selfish. <laughs> they were watching everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's really crazy to think about. I like can't wrap my head around the story still. <laughs> like... Yeah, it's just a chain of events that it was one thing after another. And there's another whole thing that happened after that too, but it's definitely I can't go on the podcast about it. It's a story for another use your time. imagination. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll. I gotta reset my camera. Uh, yeah, I will. <laughs> I, um, will. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Let me know what you come up um, with. I'll tell you if it's true. <laughs> Yeah, I'll 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 sit on this for a few days. <laughs> um, yeah, that was another thing I actually wanted to ask you about because I've loosely heard you talk about this before. Because your your songwriting process 
is like uh like i think last time i had talked to your time before you were talking about how you kind of have to be in like your own little zone to like write your music like your own whatever it is like room or whatever yeah um and you can't be like distracted by other people which i don't know if that's like is that like pretty typical for songwriting or is that like yeah i'd imagine how to, i'd imagine so mm-hmm. yeah. why i mean like is it because it helps you like is it just because out of like focusing i guess is it's like yeah. me editing i wouldn't want anyone else like yeah. in the room while i'm yeah, editing it's exactly the same thing i uh I am really tough because I'm always listening to everything. So if I like go to, mm-hmm. if it's really hard for me to pay attention in uh, grocery stores because I'm hearing all of the different noises when I walk in. Yeah, so I'm hearing like the baggers talking to each other. You know, I can uh, I hear the announcement on the thing, and I'm just really, really paying such close attention to any auditory thing that's happening. Uh, so yeah, if there's people like hanging out and talking and stuff. It's just re- it would be really hard, but uh, you know it's different. If it's a bunch of musicians and we're making music together, it's not a problem. But if people are there to like hang out and watch me make music, I'm not gonna make. I'm, it's not gonna be fun for me. <laughs> do you write? Yeah. Do you write? I guess I maybe I know this. Maybe I don't. Like, do you write uh, all in one sitting, or do you? Does it take you like a couple of days to write one song? Uh. Yeah, sometimes I just sometimes I write up to a, a point where I know I'm gonna finish the song. So I write the first verse and the chorus, and then after that, I'm like, all right, I can go to sleep, or I'll uh, I'll write the rest of it tomorrow, and I know it'll come out in an hour or two. So it's like That's it's, crazy. it's sort of a security deposit for me. It's yeah, like, oh, I made it. I yeah. made it to the hook, so I know I have a chorus of the song, and I like it. So we're good. I'm gonna I'm gonna easily be able to write to this tomorrow. And then I'll either go do something else or I'll not do music at all for a few hours. You've really mastered it too. Just that, like the volume that you write songs. Like I, it, I could never do that in a million years. Even if I was like going to school for it, I could never do that. Like the volume which you like write. That's just so crazy. <laughs> you like do the writing, the full production of the song, like the, I, I you're like a master anybody that i talk to that talks about you says this to her like chris is like the music mastermind here that's a cool thing it's just that's uh that's you know that's, i guess that's what i wanted to be but it's also just uh it's also just how i am really it's just what i do it's mm-hmm. really not trying to sound uh self-important or anything like that no but like I, no it's second nature to me Mm-hmm. and you have this basement you have like the basement set up too that works out i mean you have like the congas back on the wall there you have like keys at hand you have like all these like you have that drawer full of random instruments that make cool sounds uh you have your guitar you have your bass you have like all these things that are just like around you You have your computer you have logic (laughs) like you just have this like perfect setup to make it all happen in your house which is i think really cool because like a lot of people might not have access to that stuff which is really cool yeah i definitely uh i I definitely you know when i first started i was i only had the the music program on my computer so i everything was like beats you know Mm -hmm. everything was just i was making the beat in the actual daw um and then over the years is able to uh acquire you know a few instruments 
a lot better gear and it's definitely a privilege because it, def- mm-hmm. it definitely gives you a uh, if you know if you need to do stuff for clients it gives you an edge you know yeah yeah i guess i know we're like we're kind of like a little bit over an hour here okay. i think we're like maybe at like the hour like five mark maybe somewhere it says 102 on my phone 102 sweet yeah i got a pc um, so this is good yeah we should we should i like to like bring it to a close on like an advice thing at the end um and i guess what would be one thing that you would tell to somebody who's getting into this as like basic as that sounds someone that's like going to be like a full-time musician um, um don't what would be your advice don't rely on and this goes for, i think this might go across the board for whatever industry you're in but don't rely on people who do the same thing as you to help you mm-hmm. uh don't expect your artist friend to help you with your artist career because yep. uh the people that have helped me become a better artist uh okay maybe maybe a couple of them were artists but most of them are people that aren't doing what i'm doing you know like Mm -hmm. like for instance nick you know bounce castle Mm -hmm. uh yeah you know the people that the people that i end up going uh are going to need you are people that can't do what you do so Mm -hmm. and i feel like you have to have like a business understanding too behind this stuff yeah but right? that, that all comes for me that all came from just working i didn't yeah. i didn't know what i was supposed to be paid until someone paid me a lot and i was like oh wow that's a lot of money and then mm-hmm. and then now i can be like oh i'm not taking anything less than that <laughs> ever <again."> <laughs> <laughs> so it was just sort of like uh for me it was just like you gotta just jump in and start seeing what happens and maybe you get screwed over a couple deals or whatever uh, at first. And sometimes you still get mm-hmm. screwed over when you're a little uh, further along your career. But it won't matter as much then because you'll have, a, you know, a nice little uh, sort of uh, shock absorber pad. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, know, you got other in- uh, f- streams of income or whatever like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not as big of a deal. Keeps you floating. Yeah. But getting screwed over sucks. That's my advice. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to get screwed over. Nice. I like that. I think that's some solid advice. Um, all right. Well, I think that could be a good note to leave off on. Unless you had any good. other final final thoughts you wanted to wrap up on. Uh, I'm sorry, Mom, if you uh, are mad that I talked about doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hope she, hope she doesn't listen to it. She can listen to all of it except for the drugs part. She, she knows everything. I don't know if she really knows that the everything that happened in that story, but my mom pretty much knows all the stuff. So she, she should be all right. Cool, cool. All right. Yeah, I think we can leave off on that. Um, what a what a weird way to end it. I'm huh? sorry, Max. <laughs> Say something cool. <laughs> uh sorry mom <laughs> is this an M- um, are you doing eminem <laughs> i don't know i i'm not good at like i like i said i like to leave off on the advice part of it but i'm not good at like having that final thought on it i'm just like well the thing is is it is hard because it's the same sensation as like when you're out with your friends and you're having a really good time 
and then you're and yeah. then you're standing out in the cold like about to walk to the train station or whatever and you're like why are we all standing here still shivering and trying to think of funny stuff to say yeah <laughs> <laughs> it happens my whole life well on that note my life. Well, on that that note we'll we'll uh we'll bring this to a close so Thanks for listening to episode eight, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. Was it was fun. I really liked it. Glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. Hopefully, I'll, uh, not hopefully, I will bring you back on at a later time, like to uh, bring people back, and we'll do like a check-in, see what you're up to later on. Yeah, maybe, I've, um, maybe I'll like grow a beard the next time. It'll be all long, and, you know, <laughs> I'll look like some sort of like, we got to go. We got to go. <laughs> we gotta go we're out of here alright thanks for listening to episode 8 and stay tuned for episode 9 thanks everybody bye bye